First reading is from Genesis 15, God's covenant with Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who inherit my estate, Eliza of Damascus, and Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household would be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited him in righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. But Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram dove them away. As the sun was setting... Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came upon him. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces on the day of the Lord. On the day of the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give you this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. Second reading is from Acts 27. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle southwest wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down on the island of The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into into the wind. And so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of the small island called Corda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would not aground on the sandbanks of Cetis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for them many days, the storm continued to rage. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, 
men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because no one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Good morning. So um, our topic this morning is God Still Speaks. God Still Speaks. And we've seen um, our readings from Genesis and um, Acts, two different periods, two different eras, two different stories of God's people. Um, there is a story about a man who collapsed on the high street somewhere and um, people gathered and everyone was offering suggestions about how to help him. Some people said, sprinkle some water over him. Some people said, loosen his shirt so that he has some fresh air. Some people said, let's give him some room. And a little lady said, give him some food. Someone said, let's call the ambulance. Another said, let's carry him away to a place where he'll be safer. And on and on, and the little lady said again, let's give him some food. And on and on it went until this man just looked up and said, could we all please just listen to the little lady? All along, there was one person who had a solution. He knew his problem. This lady was speaking to the problem. And he recognized it in the midst of all of that noise from everyone else. Sometimes, you know, God speaking could be like that little lady. In the midst of all the noise and all the turmoil and all that is going on around us, all the helpful suggestions. But the question is, are we actually able to hear him in the midst of all of that? To distinguish his voice from every other voice. We saw in Abraham's story, God speaking, not just for the now, but into the big future. The Lord spoke to Abraham about the son he did not have, and he did not think he could have, and then went on to speak about his descendants. We skipped a few verses in between, um, from verses uh, after verse 12, because we read up to 12, and then from 17 and 18. Between um, 13 to 16, the Lord gave Abraham some more details about what would happen to his descendants. And it was not, it was not an encouraging story in entirety. He spoke about what they would go through. But he had begun with a promise, and then he came right back to still say what his descendants will be. I will give you a son, 
all of this will happen. They will be in slavery for 400 years, but I will deliver them. Sometimes when the Lord speaks to us, if we are listening, he will speak into the big future. Many years ago, just about 25 years ago, when George and I first got married, um, were just a couple of months and I was, I fell ill. And um, at that time, it wasn't something huge. It was malaria, which everyone in Nigeria gets every now and then. So it was no big deal at all. But malaria could become like a life-threatening disease when you have many other issues. For instance, the lack of money. We just got married and we had nothing. Nothing. I had just graduated from um, school, from university, yet to go to law school to get my qualifications to practice. And um, he was a newly qualified minister in his first pastorate in a rural area, very big church, very rural area. We had nothing. And everything looked really bleak. And all the things friends and family had said to me before we get, got married began to look um, more real. Things like, how could you marry a village pastor? And all that sort of thing. Life looked like it had ground to a halt. And one night, whilst I was quite still unwell, George had just gone to bed and I wanted to sit in the living room because I was just uncomfortable, couldn't lie down, couldn't, I just wanted to sit down. And there I was, the lights were just dim and it was just myself in the living room and he was in the bedroom. I was just dropping off when I heard a voice clear, clear, loud and clear. You shall have increase. You shall have great increase. I jumped up and I looked around. There was no one there. I went to the room and George was asleep. I shook him. Did you say something? I'm like, no, I'm just sleeping. But I knew I heard that voice clear as day. It was years and so many events happening in our lives before I saw this increase. But one thing was sure, I heard the Lord. Sometimes the Lord speaks to the immediate, like the story of um, Paul. They were there in the sea. He was going as a prisoner to go before Caesar as promised by the Lord. Now, Paul was just a prisoner, nothing, nobody special. And the centurion was taking him to Caesar. In that ship were sailors. They had actually moved. If we begun from, if we had begun from the verse 1 of um, Acts 27, we will see that they were, they were actually transferred to this big ship from a smaller one. And everything was looking wrong. They said the wind was against them. That was probably somewhere in uh, verse 7. The wind was against them, depending on the version you're reading. But one thing was clear. Nothing, the, the, the weather was just contrary. And when Paul made a common sense suggestion, when they got to a calm area, they were in port, he said, can we not continue because it was clear that um, there, were, there was a reprieve, but the centurion was not prepared to listen to Paul. Who are you? He had the experts, the sailors, the people in charge. Who are you? 
And so when they saw their chance, they took off despite what Paul had said. Now, they carried on until they were forced at some point to listen to Paul. Paul had a word from the Lord for the immediate, that situation at that time. And sometimes the Lord gives us a word just for now, for the immediate. Many years ago as well, when I was still an undergraduate, I went for a fellowship one night. And the preacher in the fellowship happened to be a neighbor. He lived a couple of streets from where I lived. I just knew, knew them loosely as neighbors, and I knew he was a banker. It was a fellowship of businessmen, and you know, and usually they will invite people who were doing other things, not ministers, not, pre not regular preachers, to talk about their faith and the things the Lord was doing in their lives, and so he was one such person. I had, for some reason I could not understand, gone to the fellowship with a considerable amount of cash in my handbag. It was money that had been given me by my uncle um, for school. And I just, but I, for some reason I took this money and it was in my handbag. I had no reason to take it with me. This man's wife was seated near, close, close by me during the fellowship and she was pregnant. I kept on having a, an urge throughout the fellowship to give her the money I had come with. And I was having this debate within me, why? I'm not sure I really listened to his message because I was having that battle within me. Why should I give her this money? He's a banker, I'm an undergraduate, I lost my father just about a year ago, so I don't have that much money to spare, and this and that. And I thought, and what's more, they will think this is really very presumptuous of you. Who do you think you are? Why would you give, me, give us money? He's a banker. And I had all that debate ongoing. Well, when the fellowship was over and people were saying hello and hi and goodbye and all, I could not shake the feeling to, about giving her that money. I had it, I just took it out of my handbag. I went to her, I just squeezed it into her hand and said, I just want to give you this. And I ran off. And I kept berating myself. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Few weeks later, I was back in the same fellowship. This time my mom was there as well. After fellowship, because we had come, um, we, we came when the weather was still, when it was still daylight, so we had walked. Now it was dark and um, we were outside trying to make our way. We we're going to look for, um, take a taxi. And then I heard my mom call to me, oh, come over here, someone is going to give us a lift. And I went. And I was mortified to find it was this banker and his wife. Because I had been avoiding them throughout the fellowship. And then when we got in the car, they were just chatting with my mom all through the journey. And I was like, oh, thank God nobody remembers I'm here. And then he said to my mom, the Lord used your daughter a few weeks ago to help us. Unknown to me, the bank had been on strike and he had not been paid for months. His wife was pregnant, they had a little child at home who was ill, they had no gas, they could not cook, they could not afford to get the child any paracetamol because the child was having a fever, etc. They, they did not have food at home. And he said, the Lord used that money to solve so many problems. And I thought to myself, wow, 
I went from saying to myself, why did you give them money to, Lord, how many times have I actually heard your voice and disobeyed? How many people, how many other people could I have helped, but I thought I knew better just because I haven't quite learned to listen to you? That was the immediate. How does God speak? The first thing is his word, the Bible. And everything else comes back to that. The Lord also speaks through dreams and visions. What, what Abraham had was actually a vision. He speaks sometimes like it's a witness deep in your spirit. Sometimes he speaks through other people. Sometimes you hear an audible voice like I heard. Because I have experienced almost every one of these, I know for sure the Lord speaks in all of these ways. But they must all align with his word. But how do we hear God? In the house of God, we must be able to hear the Father, our Master, George has been talking about the house of God, the house of gold. The house has a father. And ultimately, a house that does not listen to the father is dysfunctional. Mark chapter 4, 23 to 25. I'll just read this. This was not part of um, my original... Um, message but this morning as we're getting as as happens every every sunday morning when we're getting ready for service george and i usually listen to tbn um you know there's always a preacher and it was as uh, you know joseph prince and he was preaching from this verse mark 4 and i said to george it's funny how many times on a sunday morning we're hearing something just about whatever the message is going to be in church on the day and he was preaching from this, Mark 4, and I'll just read verses 23 to 25. It was about the parable of the seed. Mark 4, 23 to 25. But this is particularly about a lamp on a stand. But from here it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If God is speaking, how do we hear? For me, it comes down to three things. Faith, humility, patience. Faith, humility, patience. They enable us to hear God. Many times we listen solely with our, with our eyes. So, you know, and our eyes can lie to us. Two people can observe the same thing and see absolutely different things. So we cannot trust our eyes to be the measure of hearing God. It can be one of the ways but it's got to go beyond that. I could, we could both, I mean, I, I, in fact, sometimes you don't even trust your ears. If 
if two people are listening to the same person singing, if you don't like this person, you will hear the wrong chords all the time. It happens a lot of the time. Somebody said to me, not a member of our church, a member of another church, he said to me, many times it takes a person who is new to your congregation to let you know that there is something wrong in your church. Because we, many times, if I've been in the church for decades, I can get so used to the wrong things, I don't recognize them anymore. But somebody else comes in and says, hmm, that wasn't good. And then you go, well, okay, how did we get here? Faith means that you're not trusting your eyes. You're listening to God from your heart. Humility. The centurion was not going to listen to a prisoner until they lost everything, until they could not eat. Then Paul rose and spoke, and then he was prepared to do everything Paul said. It was no longer coming down to common sense or coming down to expertise on the seas. It came down to there is one man who's speaking with confidence at a time like this. Patience. Sometimes, you know, look at what, what Abraham said to the Lord. I have nobody but Eliezer of Damascus. He's going to become the owner of all I've got. But he had to be patient to hear God. As we know, Abraham, despite hearing God on that occasion, still tried with Sarah, his wife, to bring the promise to pass and only brought problems. The Lord still kept his promise, but Abraham had interfered with what the Lord was trying to do. Patience. The Lord still speaks. Are we listening? Sometimes, you know, you might, the, the Lord sometimes tries to show us some things by speaking to what we might consider even trivial. You know, when I was pregnant with Rock, I had a witness myself that it was a baby boy. And I told George this. And George said, I don't care. Baby boy, baby girl, I don't care. We have whatever the Lord gives us. I said, yeah, but I know this is a boy. Okay. It didn't mean anything to him. But when I went shopping and, you know, it wasn't routinely done to have scans, so I didn't do any scan, and I had no idea, therefore, medically speaking, but I knew the Lord was giving me a boy because of some things the Lord had told me. When I went shopping and um, I was buying baby boy clothes, the women in the, in the, in the shop, they said to me, um, do you know what you're having? And I said, it's a boy. Oh, you did a scan? No. So how do you know? I just know. Oh, because you want a boy? No, I don't want either. I just, I don't want anyone in particular, but I know it's a boy. Oh, well. Now, a few, couple of weeks to my due date, George woke up one morning and said to me, I have seen him. It is a boy. He's tall, he's slender, he's light, fair complexion, and we will call him Rock. I don't know why the Lord chose to show George 
this boy, two weeks, what I had known for about eight months. But George heard from God that morning. And the question is, why? Why was it important? I would never be able to tell. But we gave our son a name. And yes, the Lord actually did speak a bit more about this is the child I'm give, I gave you. But that was what the Lord had told me already. But he confirmed it to his father. The Lord is still speaking because he is interested in his house. And if we listen, we will hear even about the things that we consider trivial. That is how much he cares, how much he loves his house. You know, there is a worldview that if you keep your head when everyone else is losing theirs, you don't understand the situation. But the view of the Christian is that if you keep your head from the child of God, if you keep your head when everyone else is losing theirs, it is because you understand who triumphs in every situation. It's not out of a lack of understanding. For instance, we've gone through the COVID period. Oh, you are not so worried because you haven't understood that this disease is this bad. I understand it. But I know whom I have believed in. And even when it takes lives, I have been affected like everyone else. I'm not going to be in a panic because I know who holds the future. In the house of God, we have to hold his view on every situation. We cannot hear God when there are hindrances between us and hearing God. And what are those things that hinder us from hearing God? One of them is fear. Fear could be a real barrier to the children of God, the people of God, hearing God. When you are afraid, you will hear other things and the, whatever the Lord is saying would not get through. When the spies, this was um, Numbers, um, Numbers 14, the spies went out to spy the land, look at the land, see what the situation was, and came back with these horrible stories. It was a wonderful land, all right, but there were these giants, and they were like grasshoppers, and etc., and etc. But Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a different report. Now, if you read Numbers 14, the later parts of Numbers 14, something really strange happened there. The Lord, because after that period when the spies had come back, the people went into a period of grumbling against God about the food they didn't like and all of that and the manna and all of that and how they wanted meat, etc., etc. They were really unhappy. And the Lord had had enough of them. And the Lord said that the only people who will go into the promised land will be Caleb. And, you know, and the Lord said that all those who had come out of Egypt with full of their lack of faith and doubts and grumbling, we're all going to die in the wilderness. So there was no point. Don't make this move now because you won't enter the land, apart from the persons I have set aside to go into the promised land. Now, in the later part of Numbers 14, despite Moses telling the people, this is what the Lord has said, and because they had also witnessed some people dying for their sins, 
they suddenly decided we will go on into the land. Oh, we have sinned, yes. The Lord has struck us, yes. Now we, are, we believe we're going into the land. And Moses said, this is not what the Lord said. But they got up and went. When they got to the hill area, they went to the topmost hill area and they were going into the land. The people of the land came from the land, came out, attacked them and beat them and beat them all the way back. They thought they could go their way on their own strength. They will not listen to the Lord. The fear of, so there was fear on both sides. First of all was fear of the people of the land. And then suddenly they had a fear of what the Lord will do. And they were not suddenly irrational. We are hindered by our fears. We are hindered from hearing God by anger. Sometimes we get really angry. And the midst of anger, I mean, annoyance and anointing do not sit well together. You can be so angry, annoyed, all you hear is your anger. Anger, worry, fear. Moses became angry at the people of, of God. That he said to the Lord, you know what? I'd rather you kill me here than I carry on leading this people. And he even came to the point where when the people were, were, were crying out to the Lord for meat, and the Lord said to Moses, I will give them meat in this place for two months. They will see meat and they will be sick of it. The, Moses began to challenge the Lord on this. The same man who had brought these children of Israel through all sorts of difficulties, he said to the Lord, where are you going to get all of this meat? Moses was not hearing the Lord because he was angry at the people of God. It happens to everyone. I've been there. There was a time when I was so unhappy at things I witnessed in church. I said to George, I said, you know what? I love the Lord, but I don't like his church. George said to me, you cannot say that. You have to apologize to the Lord. Don't say that again. Apologize to the Lord. How can you love the Lord and not love his people? No matter what you've seen. And the Lord reminded me, when I, when I took the time to begin to pray and say, okay, God, I'm sorry. He asked me, have you seen a minuscule amount of what I see? And yet I love you. Who are you to not love my church? Fear, anger, worry, wrong motives. If my motives are wrong, I can't hear God. I will hear what I want to hear. Sometimes somebody said to us, a church where we had been many, many years ago, the church had done something, taken a step, taken an action, and everything had just gone wrong. And, you know, we were about to leave, and one of the women um, who was in the leadership came to visit our last few days, and she said something to us. She said, the Lord hardened our hearts like Pharaoh. And I said, I didn't say this to her. I just listened to her, but I was thinking inside of me. I would be really worried if the Lord hardens my heart like Pharaoh, because it means I'm a pagan. I can't be the Lord's person, 
part of his household and he will treat me like Pharaoh. When, our, when, when we have wrong motives, we can't hear God. We hear another voice. It is not his voice. But you see, the Lord speaks, still speaks, to reassure, to guide, to save, to bless. Because that is what he wants for his church. And he's done that. The question remains, are we listening? Sometimes, you know, our maturity gets in the way because we feel it's our knowledge. It becomes like a, a blockade, what I know. I was praying with the children many years ago about something. I said to them, we have these two matters and um, let's pray together about this. They were quite young at the time and asked the Lord to let, tell us which way to go. And everyone closed their eyes and we prayed. And when I, I prayed, I led the prayers and I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I opened my eyes and everyone still had their heads down, eyes closed. And I said to them, I'm done, we are done praying. And they said to me, but mom, he hasn't said anything yet. We are waiting to hear him. And I said, well, we were not going to hear him speak to us just now. And they said, no, mom, what about that boy in the Bible? The Lord spoke to him. He heard him. And that was actually an eye-opener for me that my children had enough faith to believe that the Lord was going to speak here and now, and all they had to do was wait. I was an adult. I am mature. I know so many things. And I know so much that I don't believe, even though I've heard the Lord speak to me audibly in the past, I could not hear and now believe that the Lord will speak to me audibly. But the children believed. The Lord wants us to listen to him with that childlike faith, which means that we know that he cares enough and he's able to break all barriers to speak to us at every point in time. But ultimately, like I said at the start, everything he says must align with his word. And ultimately, he wants to do us good. He is not seeking to speak to us to destroy us. He's not seeking to speak to us to make us afraid. There was something else about the, the children of Israel. They came to a place where they were always afraid of hearing God. They will say to Moses, you go and hear him and come back to us. Why? Sin was a barrier. Sin was a hindrance. If we are living outside of his will, we will be afraid to be in the place where he speaks to us. But the Lord wants us to know it is really simple. If I feel that there is something between he and I, all I have to do is say, Lord, take it away. I'm sorry. And I want to hear you. A broken and a contrite heart. It's, it's not, he doesn't want us to jump through hoops and do some, you know, this is no longer the days of sacrifice and killing animals or anything other than just open up your heart to me. And I am there to bless, to guide, to reassure. It is really simple. Jesus has made the way.
And so people of God, in the house of God, he opens up our ears, our inner ears, when we deal with the barriers and ask him to come in. He opens those ears and he speaks to our situations. And he speaks to us about other people too, not just about ourselves. I have heard the Lord speak to me about other people's situations. David shared something with me, and I'll just close with that. He, he, as he just got to um, Anglia Ruskin to his university, he had just met a few young people, gotten to know some Christian young people too. And one day, he said he was in his room, he said, Mom, it wasn't a dream. I just saw like a vision. I saw one of these girls I had met in the wider group of friends I had met. She, she comes to church and the fellowship now and then. I saw her like she walked into my room and split into three persons and went out the room three different ways. And I was praying to the Lord and I said, I don't know this girl very well. And I was praying to the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? And he said, eventually the Lord told him that this girl had a problem and mentioned that there were three spirits and the Lord told him what the three spirits were that were troubling this girl. But you see, he could not talk to her about it because whenever any opportunity came for her to be in a place where she would hear, she would find an excuse and go away. She was dis, uh, sort of taking herself away more and more from the fellowship. And I said to him, he wanted to know, you know, he, he, he said to me, I don't know what to do about that because I can't just tell her. And I said, no, you can't. The Lord has shown you something. You have to just pray for her. But she has to be in a place of fellowship with God to hear God too, because when she just hears it from you, it will be just mere words. But somebody else told, without David sharing this with anyone else, somebody else told David something that's confirmed some of the things the Lord had told him about this person's situation. And I said to him, well, your duty is to pray. The Lord has shown me something about somebody I had only ever heard of, and it turned out to be true. So sometimes the Lord speaks to us for other people, but we have to be in the place where we can hear. People of God, God is still speaking. What is he saying to us this morning? I'd like us to, at this time, bring ourselves to the Lord in prayer and just say to him, Lord, I want every barrier taken away, the fears, the concerns, the worries, anger? Is there anything anyone has done where you feel genuinely angry? That could be a barrier to hearing the Lord speak. Anything at all, are my motives out of sync with what you want for me? Am I in a place where you don't want me to be? 
almighty God and our Lord, whose love is everlasting, who longs to do me good. Lord, I want to hear you. And if there's anyone here who used to hear the Lord really clearly in the past, but in recent times has found it really difficult, I'd like you to ask the Lord also this morning to take you back to that place where you used to hear him, that you will hear him again. And if you've never heard the Lord and you're wondering what is all of this, I would also like you this morning to say to the Lord, if this is real and you speak to your people, I want to begin to hear you. disappeared where you lost your life so I could find it here if you left the grave behind you so will I I can see your hurt in everything you've done every part designed in the work of art for love if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again. A hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the ones behind. So God of creation, we thank you because you never leave the one behind. Thank you, Lord, because you're speaking to your house. We ask that no one child will be left without hearing from you because you still speak. May we hear those things that reassure, those things that help us to take us out of the places of depression and oppression by the enemy. That Lord, as your house, we will also hear you as one. May your name be glorified through your word in Jesus' name, amen.